Second Kings five. Back behind uh, my house, uh, we have a creek. Uh, it's, it, it's called the Whetstone Creek. It eventually, uh, by the time you get to Columbus, it's it's a river. Uh, but when it comes by our place, it's it's just a creek, uh, kind of a muddy, nasty creek. Uh, Right there behind the house, they, they say, is, it was actually the old swimming hole. Uh, the generation before me, they, they have lots of fun swimming there. You wouldn't want to go in there, you know. Um, uh, never know what you're going to find, you know, anything from a fork to an old tire. And um, it is nice, so once in a while, the, uh, the creek will flood, and uh, we'll have lakefront property. Uh, we were smart enough to build on a hill but the water will kind of really uh, get up there sometimes. Hey, this would be nice, but, but then it's gone and, and nasty again. Uh, muddy water. And in uh, the Bible, we find some muddy water. Uh, my uncle, uh, Richard Smith, called me, uh, I believe it was last Sunday, uh, said, uh, would you preach? And um, when your uncle calls you, you're probably going to have to do it. So um, sat down uh, after the phone call ended. We sat down then for, for family devotions that evening. And, and uh, it was uh, on this story, you'll recognize it probably pretty quick uh, this morning. Muddy water. Second Kings 5, let's take a look at, even though they're familiar to us, uh, the characters in the story. Uh, first of all, the little maid. Starting at verse 1, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, and because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? for he would recover him of his leprosy. Here's uh, actually two contrasting characters. We'll, we'll, meet, uh, we'll say more in a moment about uh, one, but he, he was a somebody, captain of the host. You know, he, here, how would you like these words for you in the Scripture? Great, honorable, mighty, but... Worst thing imaginable, a leper. You know, I'm sure he thought, why me? Contrast that with a nobody, a little maid. You know, as I thought about it, I'm sure that 
that, uh, you know, like all little girls, she had her hopes and dreams, and, you know, this is how life's going to be, and I'm going to get married and have a family. And what happens? Her hopes and dreams are crushed. You know, she's taken captive. These strangers just come and take her away to a foreign land. And I'm sure she thought, why me? And it kind of made me wonder, you know, in that situation, why would you bother to say anything to your captor? But she did. It reminds me of over in Esther, uh, the verse that says, And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? You see, that little maid's captivity was not an accident. Her job was to be a witness for the God of Israel. And her focus wasn't on herself. She knew that Naaman needed the Lord. Verse 4 says, And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? And this man doth sent unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Of course, you know, world, word travels fast. And uh, word traveled to the king, you know, when, when uh, he got around what this, this little maid had said. Now, this pagan king hatched a typical, uh, logical pagan plan. Uh, just send money and the problem will be fixed. Of course, we know better than that today. You know, what, what kind of televangelist would, you know, give, say, send me your money and, and, you know, and your problems will be fixed. After all, no listeners would believe anything, you know, foolish like that today. But anyway, the king of Israel got the letter. And actually, when I read the, his response here in Scripture, it, it, it devastated my confidence in Washington, D.C., to be honest. Um, because it appears that even back then, government was helpless to solve your problems. You know, the king says, what am I going to do about this? You know, he figured the king of Syria was just, uh, just an excuse to cause trouble. Elisha, however, had a little different take on the situation, verse 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he said unto the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet 
in Israel. I love that verse. Elijah had a little bit different take on the situation. He said, this isn't a problem. It's an opportunity. His words remind me of uh, little David before the giant. You know, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. God still had a prophet in Israel. The king uh, might not have been so godly, but that didn't mean God had left the country. There was still a God in Israel. By the way, I'm pretty sure there's still a God in America, just in case you was wondering. So we see, first of all, the little maid. Uh, second now, uh, we met him briefly, but let's look at the leper. Verse 9, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Albana and Parpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Interesting scene if you think about it. You know, here comes Nathan, uh, Naaman with all his chariots and horses. Stands at the door there, real official, you know, this is, you know, doing the proper thing here to have a, a meeting of dignitaries. And Naaman had this imagined scenario. You know, Elijah is going to come out, you know, and he's going to stand there real impressive and, and pray a great prayer and lay hands and, you know, I'll be healed. Boom, problem solved. It didn't happen. Elisha didn't even come out. Actually, if you think about Elisha, this whole chapter has a pretty small part. Humanly speaking. But Elisha sent a messenger, and the messenger had an unwelcome message. Go wash in the Jordan. Now, the Jordan, if you have ever seen pictures or video, it's, it's really not that impressive of a, of a river. As a matter of fact, the first, first time I saw it, um, I'm, that's why I started with the little story about the creek behind our house, because uh, kind of <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Like, wow, this is it? Um, well, that's what Naaman thought. Um, it's... It's kind of like a muddy creek, a lot of it's, it's basically the only time it's impressive is when it floods, and that's uh, pretty nasty when that happens. And, and Naaman thought, you got to be kidding. I came all the way here for this. 
you know, if, I, if I'm going to wash in muddy water, I could do that at home. You know, if the key to cleansing is in the water, why can't I just wash in my own nice, clean river? And that, my friend, is the key mistake. <laughs> Yet people have been making it ever since. You see, the power is not in the water. The power is in the Word of God. But Naaman was actually so angry here. This gets me. That he was willing to remain a leper rather than obey the Lord. You say, how stupid. And yet, how often that still happens all the way to today. We're so stubborn that we get stupid. Now, when that happens, it's always good to have people around you who can talk some sense. Men, that's one reason that God gave us wives. You might want to remember that just in case you don't remember anything else. Uh, this morning, um, servants are another, you know, uh, servants have a kind of an uncanny ability to, to see things sometimes. And they said to Naaman, look, the prophet could have told you, you know, whatever, climb a mountain on your knees, pray a thousand prayers, give a thousand dollars, and yeah, you'd have done it. But all he said was wash and be clean. What do you got to lose? Well, you know, the answer to that is just your pride. But that could be tough, and that's why things, uh, human nature hasn't really changed much, has it, in the, the millennia. And uh, today, God still says, just wash and be clean. And yet people still say, no thanks, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'd rather do it my own way, you know. Uh, uh, let me work for it. And then, you know, I'll have a part. You know, I can say I did something. But let me tell you, God doesn't work that way. And so the leprosy remains because pride remains. At least Na Naaman had enough brains, uh, we see here, to listen to his servants. You know, he thought twice and said, yeah, that is pretty stupid. So he walked down to that muddy river. And he humbled himself, did exactly what the prophet said. Not just once. Seven times. You know, I'm sure he'd have wished, you know, hey, maybe just one time, you know, that'd be enough. No. Seven times. On that seventh time, he came up clean. You know what, folks? It's amazing. It's amazing how well things go when you finally just do 
what God says. Verse 15, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman said, Shall thou not then be, I pray thee, given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. But in this thing pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth to the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow down in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon thy servant for this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Now here we get to the main point of Naaman's experience. Elisha said it at the beginning. This is more than about just healing. You know, we all want to get rid of the leprosy or whatever. But Elisha said, there's something that Naaman needs to know. And here Naaman says, now I know. You see, Naaman thought that he needed to be cured of a dreaded disease. But Elisha knew that he needed more than that. Naaman needed to know God. And a little muddy water just helped him get there. Now, Naaman had come with gifts there. We read at the beginning, you know, some pretty impressive stuff there. And, you know, that was kind of protocol. You just expect that. And Naaman would have been happy to give. You know, that's what it was for. But Elisha refused. Now, it was acceptable for prophets to receive support. You know, it's been from... Uh, way back then till today, but not this time. You see, this could have been construed as payment for the healing. And Elisha was bound to determine he was going to avoid even the appearance of that. You know, I remember years ago um, when I was training for ministry, uh, one of the things my mentor said to me, was that, you know, you think, of, you think of all the worst things the pastor would face. You know, uh, and uh, some pastors have faced some pretty awful things and, and trying times. But you know what he said? The worst situation that a pastor can ever face is to find that he's doing it for the money. I've always held on to that in the back of my mind. Never do it. Never do it for the money. So Naaman went home not just a healed man, 
But a changed man, I kind of wonder about the effects, you know, <laughs> of what all might have happened when he got back to Syria. You know, um, that, that thing kind of gets around. It was kind of powerful testimony in that, that pagan place. But I also wish this was uh, the end of the chapter. Because I like happy endings. You know, don't, don't, <laughs> I think most of us, you know. I even like them Hallmark movies, you know. And don't judge me too harsh because you know some of you do too. And, and at least they end happy. <laughs> you always know how they're going to end, but they're happy. But uh, there's a few verses still to read here in the chapter. And a final character to consider. And uh, one more lesson to be learned. Uh, and of course, as, a, as all pastors desire, I, you know, three points all alliterated. So we had the little maid, the leper. Oh, man, how am I to get an L? I'm sorry, but all I could come up with was the loser. Sad. I don't know where that came from. but Verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Nathan the Syrian in not receiving at his hands which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, All is well. He said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content, two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from, his hand, from their hand and bestowed them in the house and let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, From whence camest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. He said unto him, Were not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? Leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and to thy seed forever. He went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. You know, all this wonderful story, you know, Naaman gets his healing and, and, and uh, not only that, but comes to know God. And here Gehazi, he's not happy. You know, he's like, sure, okay, well, maybe, you know, us good uh, God's people, us Jews shouldn't be, you know, uh, we shouldn't get charged for healing, but, you know, this pagan ought to pay. And, um... Gehazi kind of gets the impression here, maybe he had a little problem with greed. And, you know, the, the career choice of servant's prophet, you know, or a prophet's servant, probably wasn't the most lucrative career choice. And, and, you know, Gehazi had this imagined scenario. You know, Naaman 
brings all this stuff for the prophet, you know? Elisha does the healing, Gehazi counts the money, you know, and maybe, you know, here, Gehazi, here's a little, you know, for you. Well, Elisha blew that happy thought apart. But Gehazi, he wasn't giving up. So he come up with a shrewd plan to fool unsuspecting Gehazi. Uh, unsuspecting Naaman, and, and Na- Naaman, you know, he was more than happy to 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 give to the cause. Um, you know, <laughs> after all that happened, you know, and, and here, you know, this this wasn't like paying Elisha, you know, you you're just um, supporting two up and coming prophets. You know, this would be the the Old Testament version of uh, you know helping a young man through Bible college. You know, it was great. Um, you know, name even said, hey, you know, here, take more, take some extra. It's for a good cause. You know, so he goes home happy. However, back home for, uh, uh, for Gehazi, there was not going to be much happiness. The scene, I thought, kind of like a, a kid coming home from, uh, you know, he's, he's been out too late past curfew. You know, and the parent asks, where have you been? You know, and the kid answers, nowhere. Well, you know, what? are teenagers required to say that? You know, um, <laughs> well, then, of course, the parent says, you're grounded. By the way, uh, I do know that, that parents do have to say that, you know, so... Kids, I just, if you get a little something, you know, put on the side here for you. If you say that nowhere thing, expect you're grounded. You know, it's just, it's how it's done. You know, I'm sorry. Well, Gehazi would have, he'd have loved to have been just grounded, you know. But this was no uh, kid coming home late. And uh, he knew better. And he received the punishment of a disobedient servant of a prophet. You know, I figured he had to wonder later, it's like, how could I have been so stupid? You know, what? like you're going to get away with that? You know, Lyshan knew even Fort, uh, Fort Gehazi got back. And yet, you know what? People aren't that much smarter today. You know, God says, this is how it's going to be. Here's the rules. This is what you do. And human nature says, no, I'm going to do it my way. Nobody's going to tell me. You see, in essence, Gehazi faced the same question as, as Naaman, you know. Am I going to obey God? What's it going to be? Well, you know what? We see his answer, and we see the result. And so as much as we'd rather have, have a happy ending, uh, God knows that sometimes we need a warning because God doesn't waver in his will. So all that's left for us is we're going to choose how we're going to respond.
Muddy water. See, muddy water happens whenever we don't like something that God gives us. You know, God says, here it is. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Here's my plan. Here. And it doesn't fit our, our, our scenario. You know, we, we've imagined, like Naaman, you know, this is how it's going to be. You know, and, and, you know, if I pray, God will bless me and everything will be fine and, and I'll get what I want. Doesn't fit our imagined scenario. Three characters in this story had their own ideas of how things should be. You know, the little maid, she thought her, her life was going to be this way, and it's not. Why the muddy water? Well, we know now God had sent her there according to his plan. She's on a mission. Naaman imagined what his healing going to be like. You know, this is going to be great. You know, this, um, well, had it all figured out, and what did he get? Muddy water. Made him so mad it almost missed his chance to be healed. Then Gehazi imagined what he's going to get out of the deal. You know, if, if he didn't get it, he's going to take it. You know, <laughs> no muddy water for me. He ended up with something much worse. Today, are you facing some muddy water? God set it in front of you and said, here's my plan. You go in. And that's not what we was bargaining for. That's not our imagined scenario. You've got to be kidding, you know? I'm not doing this. It's not what I pictured, not what I want. It's muddy. What are you going to do? Chuck Swindoll said, this is a true story. Told to me by a young seminary student I met years ago. I'll, I'll call his Aaron. His name Aaron, not his real name. Late one spring, Aaron was praying about having a significant ministry the following summer. He asked God for a, a position to open up, you know, uh, some uh, the church staff or some, you know, Christian organization, you know, seminary student and all. And nothing happened. Summer arrived. Still nothing. Days turned into weeks. Finally, Aaron realized, you know, I just got to get a job. What, you know, I got to pay the bills, get what I can find. And the only possibility he could come up with was driving a bus on the south side of Chicago. Not exactly what any of us would choose, but, you know. Uh, so he went for it, learned the route, and, and here he's, 
He's a, a rookie driver uh, in, um, uh, if you don't know, South Side Chicago. That's, that's um, well, exactly where you don't want to be. And um, he soon learned just how dangerous it could be. A, a gang of tough kids saw this young driver and decided to take advantage of him. And, and uh, day after day, they'd get on and walk right past him without paying and, and uh, cause trouble, ignore his warnings. And uh, finally, Aaron decided, you know, I, long enough. Next morning after this gang got on, he, he saw a policeman at the next corner. He pulled over and, and reported the offense, and the officer said, you got to pay or get off. Well, unfortunately, they paid. Stayed on. When the bus turned the corner, they assaulted the young driver, bloody teeth missing, eyes swollen, Money gone, the bus was empty. And Aaron went home and just, you know, sank into his bed, stared at the ceiling. You know, how could God do this to him? Just confusion and anger and disillusionment and spent the night wrestling with the Lord. You know, how, how this could be? How can this be? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm training to serve God. I want to serve him. I, I prayed for ministry. And this is what I get. Monday morning, Aaron decided he was going to press charges. And, and uh, the, the gang was rounded up. And um, there were uh, uh, things went through the process, you know. Uh, and uh, there was a hearing before the judge. And uh, Aaron came in. And then on the other side of the room, you know, here's this, this gang, you know, all glaring at him. Suddenly Aaron was seized with a whole new series of thoughts. Instead of bitter ones, it was compassionate ones. His heart went out to this. these guys who had attacked him. He no longer hated them, he pitied them. They needed help, not hate. But, but what, what could he do or say at this point? And suddenly, after a plea of guilty, Aaron stood to his feet and asked permission to speak. He said, Your Honor, I'd like you to total up all the days of punishment against these men, all the time that's been sentenced to them, and I request that you let me go to jail in their place. Judge didn't know what to do. Aaron looked over at this gang. You know, their eyes are big as saucers. He said, it's because I forgive you. Judge said, young man, you're out of order. This sort of thing has never been done before. And with genius insight from the Holy Spirit, he said, yes, it has your honor. It happened nearly 2,000 years ago when a man from Galilee paid the penalty that all mankind deserve. And then without interruption, he explained how Jesus Christ died for them, proving his love and forgiveness. Judge didn't grant the request. That young man went and visited those gang members in jail, led most of them to Christ. 
And that began a significant ministry in that rough and tough south side of Chicago. You know what? Your muddy water may be not much fun. You know, a lot of us have had a, a year or more of not a lot of fun. You know, the, the, the virus has touched us all in, in somewhere or another. But you know what? If you're going to follow God, you may get hurt. You may pay a price. But God's got a plan. All there is for us is to answer, what am I going to do with the muddy water? Sometimes God says, that's what it's got to be. No, I'm not going to give you another way. And yeah, it's hard. You don't like it. It doesn't fit this scenario that you've had in your mind and, and everything nice and pretty. How are you going to respond to the muddy water? Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you know, we, we saw Naaman looking at that muddy water. Oh, no, 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 no. I want my own clean water. You know what? That's our instinct. Hey, no, no, excuse me. I got a better plan. I'll do it my way. Folks, you are never going to get saved that way because the power is not in the water. It's in the Word of God. It's got to be what he says, and God says that sin is only cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So you can be made clean his way, or you can walk away with the leprosy of sin. If you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, I just want you to picture that, that muddy water. God says, there it is. What are you going to do with the muddy water?